I want you, if you would, to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. I'm really excited, y'all. I was I was praying the other day. You know, I'm being honest with y'all. I've never wanted to. If God's called me to be a pastor, which He has, I've never wanted to be at a lack or a loss for something to say in the pulpit. And there's times in my life I've kind of felt that pressure, like, okay, I preached. Uh, I preached this past week. But what am I going to preach next week? You know, and it just it turns around so quick. You know, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday. And uh, the Lord delivered me from that a long time ago. And He says, preach the Word. And I never have to make up anything to say. I never have to make up, you know, like scrape the bottom of the barrel of my memory or mind or pick up a good book and start flipping through it and try to find something uh, to say. God is faithful. And... I was praying just this past week, actually, and I'd gone to the park and pray uh, to pray, and, and and God, and I was telling him that I said, Lord, and, and He's already delivered me from it, but I was like, Lord, I don't ever want to do that. I don't ever want to be at a loss for something to say. I want to have something from God. It's that prophetic word for the moment, okay? And God is so faithful to do that. And he, he put this on my heart, and I'm excited about it. I'm very excited about our new church and what God's doing. And He's gave me a, a there's going to be a series that we're going to do. I don't know how many parts, but I'm, like I said, I'm very excited about it. I'm excited about it for myself and for this church. But it's going to be about having a healthy church, a strong church, a healthy church, and some ingredients to that, some key ingredients to that. And we're starting that today. This will be the first message in this series and I pray everyone's a message on its own but this the next several weeks is going to be part of this series and what we're going to be reading here in Matthew 16 we're going to pick up in verse 15 Jesus has just uh, come you know from being out public and public and publicly ministering and then at the end of the day back with his disciples privately and he asked them and we know the question we know the passage who do men say that I the son of man am Jesus knew who he was, okay? He's saying, who do you hear people saying that I am? Well, say some, of your, some say that you're one of the prophets come from the dead, you know, or John the Baptist risen from the dead, or Elijah or Jeremiah. Who do you say that I am? Okay? Look at verse 15. He said unto them, but who say ye that I am? That is always the most important question. It doesn't matter what Stephen says to me about Jesus and what he believes he is. It matters what, who he is to me. Is He to me who He is indeed and in fact the Son of God, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the second person of the Trinity, the Savior of the world who died and rose again? Is He that to me? Because if He's not, if He's anything else to me, if He's just a good teacher or founder of a religion or a very kind man that was very loving and showed us a better way to live, if He's anything other than that, even if He's one of the prophets, one of the best prophets, okay, then, then I've missed out on who He is. He, God has revealed Himself to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And he, he needs to be that to us. Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, 
the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, or son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'm going to stop right there. He's talking about his church. And he's going to build his church. He says right here, I'm going to build my church. And it's going to be built upon, not Peter the man, not Peter the first pope, okay? But upon that profession of faith, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's what the church of Jesus Christ is built upon. So built upon that profession. The Lord is mighty. He's almighty. He has no rival or compare. And He is strong and He's all-powerful and His church is to be strong and healthy and powerful. His church is to rightly represent Him. And we're talking about having a healthy church. Uh, You've probably heard this little saying before, this phrase before, that the church is not an organization, it's an organism. Okay? And I agree with that. It's not an organization like a group or a club or you know some society or something like that. It is a living organism with the life of Jesus Christ in the midst. And the life thereof is the life of Jesus Christ. And if it is an organism, living, breathing thing, which it is, then it can be healthy or unhealthy, right? It can be all it's supposed to be. And, and I know analogies can only go so far, but even in our physical bodies, the way it's created to be healthy and strong and everything work properly, internally and externally, there's times it, it's not, or it could be unhealthy, something internally or externally. That, and, and God wants us to have a healthy church. I'm just going to read a scripture. You don't have to turn there just for time's sake. This is speaking about our Lord and Savior. We're talking about the power of the Lord. And then we're going to talk about a healthy church that's built upon Jesus Christ, okay? But speaking of Christ Himself, far above all principality, this is Ephesians chapter 1, 21 through 23, if you're taking notes. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And it put all things under His feet and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. It's His body. He's the head. His name is above everything. And everything is put under His authority and under His feet. It's all under His dominion. The name of Jesus, the Bible said, is that name that because He humbled Himself unto death, wherefore God has also highly exalted Him. The humility first, and then the exaltation. Humbling Himself before the Lord, obedient unto death, wherefore God also has highly exalted Him, given Him a name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and earth, under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. His church, y'all, if this is the glorious Lord that we're speaking of, and it's His church, and His church is also to be glorious, right? You'd agree with that. He's powerful and all-powerful and he's all dominion is given to Him. Everything's under His authority. Everything. A lost man is still under His authority in one sense. He's going to face Him as judge. And he's not going to escape that judgment. A lost man is going to face the future 
and the judgment that his unbelief and rejection of Christ is, is due. In other words, he's going to get a due reward, a just reward. It's all under the Lord's authority. And his church is to be glorious, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, having not, having not spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. His church should be, this should be this. That he wants to make it that, and he wants to present it back to himself that. And that's something he wants to make his church holy, without spot or blemish, and he wants to present it back to himself in that way. Now when we're talking about the church, we're not talking about uh, someone that's Christian in name only. We're not talking about the buildings, the structures, the government of the church, organizations of church, different religion, religions, doctrinal statements. We're talking about what the Bible calls the church, which is those that are born of the Spirit of God. He is the head. The life of Christ is in us by the Holy Spirit. And we are part of His body. He's the head of His body. There's local churches like Cornerstone Church of Baton Rouge. There's the universal church of right now on this planet. Every believer, they just got saved five minutes ago, or if they've been saved for 55 years, if they're born again, they're born again. They're part of that church. Christ is the head. You've been on mission trips, many of you. You've been in the prisons. You've been in places that you wouldn't normally go. You don't know the culture. You don't know the language. Everything's different. But you can discern the presence of the Lord amongst His people. When you go to these, a lot of us have been in, uh, on mission trips to like the Dominican or Honduras or Peru or different uh, Spanish-speaking countries. The music's loud, okay? Too loud. Sometimes I'm putting sticking Kleenex in my ears. I'm stepping out the back door because it's so loud. But you can still discern this is the same Jesus that I know Amen. in most of those places, okay? Because we're part of the same body of Christ. And we are to rightly represent this glorious God that has saved us. We are His ambassadors. We don't represent ourselves. We represent our Lord. Okay, if somebody's an ambassador of the United States to China or whatever country they are, they're not representing China and they're not representing their own concerns and political taste and all that stuff. They're representing the United States of America in that foreign land. And we are pilgrims and strangers on this earth. We're ambassadors for Christ in a world that's dark and doesn't know the Lord. We are His representatives here. We don't represent ourselves. We represent the God who saved us. And that's why He lit, left us here. He didn't save us and call us home and give us a quick mini rapture. He saved us and left us here and has equipped us by, like what William taught in Sunday school, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And He's made us that and called us to be that. And I just want to read these Scriptures quickly. If you're taking notes, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We've got three Scriptures from there. For as the body is one and hath many members... And all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. But now are they many members, yet one body. One more scripture. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. He's saying you are that right now. That's a fact. That's a given. You are part of the body of Christ. Christ is the head. You're part of that body, and so am I. Like I said, we can be healthy or unhealthy. Individually as believers and corporately as a church. 
The two have to go hand in hand. Your own walk with Jesus and your own faith and your growth and your seeking of God, your maturity and your obedience to the Lord and your love for God is going to spill over into this church. Would you agree? It's going to affect the health of this church. So if we had a bunch of prayerless people in this church, no matter how many prayer meetings we had and prayer and fasting and everything we might do, it's going to affect this body. It's His body. Okay? Same for the whole the church as a whole around the world. So we're talking about being a strong church and a healthy church. It's going to start individually with you in your own walk with Jesus Christ. You must be born again or you're not part of the church. If you are born again, then begins a walk with the Lord. And so that's why we're all here. We have a walk with the Lord and we're growing and we're being discipled. But individually and as a church, we're to represent the Lord. You and I must be fully devoted to the Lord and Jesus Christ must be the, the heart of everything. He must be the basis. I know this sounds like a no-brainer, but I'm going to say it. This sermon today is on Jesus Christ being the foundation of His church. And you know, it's wonderful. Dee and I don't talk about what I'm preaching and try to coordinate that with the music. But we sing, Jesus be the center of it all. Jesus be the center of your church. The Lord gave her that. She prays and sits at that piano during the week and seeks the Lord. And I'm praying and seeking the Lord. I'm very thankful for that. But we individually and as a church must be fully devoted to Jesus Christ and to Jesus Christ alone. And uh, God's really, uh, He's got to be everything. He's impressing this upon my heart and for this church. And all the more as we see the day approaching of the Lord's return, we've got to become more like Jesus. We've got to press in more like to be with Jesus. We've got to cut the riffraff out of our life and the things that distract. I'm not saying you have to be a monk or a hermit or just you know hide up in your house all day with your Bible. I'm saying we've got to pare down and simplify and get our eyes upon Jesus more than ever till we see the Lord come back. He's got a lot for us to do or we wouldn't still be here. I need to know what it is. And everybody in this body has a part to play. There's an eye and there's you know, an ear and a nose and there's hands and feet for walking. And all of those parts are important. There's not any part less important. Even if we might esteem it that way, the Bible says, that God's given those parts for the perfecting of the body. It's all important. And so don't think that you're nothing. Um, let God use you. But if, if He's not the center of our church and not the center of our individual lives, then we need to make sure He is. We need to put Him there and we need to ask Him to be and we need to repent and surrender back to the Lord everything that is not surrendered to Him. Love Him above all. But our foundation has to be Christ. It cannot be anything else. Again, I know that's simple, but it has to be Him and it has to be Him alone. And I want you to turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles. Uh, we'll look at two verses real quickly. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. And after that, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 2. 1 Timothy 3.15 and then Ephesians chapter 2. Here's Paul. He's writing to Timothy and he says, But if I tarry long, that you mayest know 
how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. Pillar and ground, those two words together, means the basis or the support. Okay? Everything's got to have a foundation. And if it's going to stand, it has to have a strong foundation. But we couldn't possibly have a stronger foundation than Jesus Christ. He is Alpha and Omega. I'm He that liveth and was, was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of hell and of death. He is before all things. And by Him all things consist. And He has created all things. And that He is the foundation of our lives as believers. And He is the Savior of our lives as believers. He's the foundation of His church. The foundation. Okay? And... I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. This will probably be our, our main text. And interesting, interestingly enough, it's the foundation or the little theme scripture for our church. So look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Now therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth up a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye are all also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. That word where it says that we are uh, fellow citizens with the Lord in verse 19, I just thought this was interesting. It means we're native of the same town. A native of the same town with the Lord Jesus Christ and with those other apostles and prophets. We all have the same Savior and all have the same Lord. But the Bible says that they were built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ Himself. He is that foundation. He has to be. Individually for your life, when you called upon Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, that stone was laid. When you gave your life to Christ, He didn't just do something for you, although He did many things for you and me at salvation. But He came into our hearts and our heart and our life and our future and all of our eternity became established upon a rock. And it can't be moved. And it can't be shaken. Because our rock is firm and our foundation is sure. And so everything might be crumbling around us, but that word foundation means substruction. It means under it. Something put down. What's put down first is essential. Would you agree? Everybody in here has seen buildings built. That's the first thing I think of. There's a building that's built. And the first thing they did on this site right here was get the dirt in here and get it up to the right elevation and formed it up and let the dirt settle and pack so it, would be, uh, it wouldn't just have a bunch of air pockets and so forth in it. Then they paid, poured the slab and they, they made sure it was all done right and they dried and let, let it dry to a certain many uh, week, couple of two or three weeks or so and then they start building. The, this is nothing. You know, the little two by fours and sheetrock. If this foundation is nothing, it, this house is nothing. Okay? And so that's for any building. What's laid down first, okay, is of the ultimate uh, importance. Everybody's heard of the Tower of Pizza. Pizza. What's another name for it? The Leaning Tower of Pizza, right? And it was built in 1173 by a famous architect. He was famous 
Benano Pisano was his name. 179 feet high. And scientists started noticing about 100 years ago or more, they had noticed before that it was leaning. And it started leaning almost at the time it was built. I mean, before it was even finished building, it started to lean. Okay? But scientists a little over 100 years ago started studying it and measuring it. It moves about 1 20th of an inch uh, every year. That's not very much. 1 20th of one inch in a whole year. But after a long time, that adds up, doesn't it? And the last time it was measured, as far as that I heard, it's 17 feet out of plumb, out of a line. 17 feet. It's leaning over. It's going to fall, okay? It's going to fall one day. It started leaning before it was even finished being built. And the base for that tower, which is almost 100 feet tall, is only 10 feet deep. That's not deep enough. And there were some other architectural flaws to it, but the main thing was the foundation. The foundation of that thing. And it's just interesting that the word Pisa, P-I-S-A, it means marshy land. So, you know, maybe it's built on marshy land. This guy's name actually means that. And this tower is leaning. What's laid down first is of the ultimate importance. If we're going to build our lives upon something, we better have a sure foundation. If we're going to build our church, this church, upon something, it better be Christ. And it better be built upon Jesus Christ. Even churches can build upon other foundations. Okay, Men have done that uh, and built things upon uh, kingdoms built upon military might, kingdoms built upon political values, kingdoms built upon ideals and wealth and different things like that. Even religions and churches can be built upon some other foundation but only what's built upon Jesus Christ is going to stand. Period. That's all that's going to stand. The Bible says heaven and earth are going to pass away, but he that does the will of the Father is going to abide forever. And so it's all going to pass away. You've heard the song, All Other Ground is Sinking Sand. It is that. And mighty kings and kingdoms have come and gone, haven't they? The Bible names several. You know, the Greek Empire, the, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Babylonian Empire the Roman Empire, the Egyptian Empire, Moses' day. They've come and gone. They've fallen. They are no more. Because they were built upon something other than the Lord. Like I said, even a church can be built upon uh, Christian morality. can be built upon Christian ideals. We like a Christian society, basically. And that kind of thing. But it has to be Jesus Himself. Isn't that what we read? And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself. Not His teachings, that will be included in that. Not His morality, that will be included upon that. In that. But built Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone. And so kingdoms come and they go, and kingdoms come and they go. And I, I thought this was interesting. I wanted to, to read this. You heard of the seven wonders of the world? Could you name them? <laughs> Most people couldn't. I couldn't either. But I was started to uh, to read this. The seven remain the remains of the seven wonders of the world. This is all that remains of the seven wonders of the world. The tomb of Massalus, built in 350 BC, are now the only remains of that tomb. It was one of the seven wonders of the world. 
are confined to a little exhibition in the British Museum now. A few little artifacts there. The Temple of Artemis at Ephesus, once the center uh, of the fertility cult, Diana, you know, that Paul talks about in the, in, in the book of Acts. It was destroyed in the, set in 262 A.D. by the Goths. And so it's gone. So this Temple of Artemis at Ephesus is gone. The Hanging Gardens of Babylon, we've all probably heard of that one. Uh, they grow no more. Okay, they're not there anymore. They once were there by the Euphrates River and uh, in Nebuchadnezzar's day, and they were 55 miles. They found the ruins of that, 55 miles south of Bag. Um, yeah, south of Baghdad. What's Baghdad today? Just some little ruins and some rubble. Okay, the statue of Zeus, this magnificent, magnificent statue of Zeus, it stood 40 feet high in the city of Olympus where the Olympic Games are held uh, during the Byzantine Empire. It's been dragged off and burned and it's no longer. Okay? King Ptolemy's famous lighthouse near Alexandria, Egypt. 200 feet, it had a 200 foot square base that it was built upon. It crumbled during the 14th century earthquake and it's no more. The Colossus of Rhodes met the same fate in 224 B.C. And uh, it spanned a 100-foot statue that spanned across this harbor uh, and about a huge statue of Apollo, this Greek god. All right? And it's no longer an earthquake destroyed it. The pyramids built before the time of Moses, that's the only thing that's still standing. And I can promise you, they're not going to continue to stand. They're not going to continue to stand. The day of the Lord will come, we talked about this a few weeks ago, as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens will pass away. See, all these things are going to pass away. And the things that are now, that seem so permanent, they're going to pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burnt up. But what's built upon Jesus Christ is going to stand. What looks weak to the world. We don't look very strong to the world, I can promise you. You know what looks strong to the world right now? These players kneeling down and they won't stand for the pledge. And the big social media and they get a big following. It gets big and popular. And we look like we're just little nothings that the world can just trample over. Our opinion doesn't even matter. Our Bible doesn't matter to them. Our God doesn't matter to them. We look weak and insignificant. But the Bible says that the Lord has chosen the weak things to confound the wise. And the foolish things, the things that are not, to, to put to shame basically the things that are, that are. And He's going to do that because He is the foundation of His church. And He is the foundation and the Savior of your soul. And He lives in you and He lives in me. And the Bible says, nevertheless, the foundations of God of the Lord standeth sure. That's what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Nevertheless, the foundation of the Lord standeth sure. It stands sure and it's going to stand sure. Nothing else does and nothing else is going to overcome the Lord. Nothing else is going to overcome the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Uh, when, when Nebuchadnezzar uh, threw the Hebrews into the, the fire, and they weren't burned up. And we know the story. He rescues them out. And then he makes this profession that 
he began to praise, this was later in his life, began to praise and honor him that lives forever and ever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. See, never, Lord, Lord had opened his eyes. Your dominion is big right now, Nebuchadnezzar, but I give kingdoms to who I will, and I'm going to take them from whom I will. And in, in Nebuchadnezzar's eyes spiritually were open. He says, I begin to praise him that lives forever whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. And His kingdom is from generation to generation. That's part. That's the kingdom that we're part of. Because that's the God that we know and the God that we serve. So if a church is going to be healthy, y'all, it has to be built upon Jesus Christ. It has to have Jesus Christ as the foundation. The Lord is not worried that someone's going to come t- uh, topple over His kingdom. He's not worried about it. He said, the gates of hell shall not prevail. That's the first Scripture we read. And upon this, this foundation, this rock, I'm going to build My church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. They're not. So what's popular in society today in the sin and the darkness and calling wrong right and right wrong and that anti-Christian attitude in our country has done a total 180. We're not partly turned. We've done a whole 80 to what we used to admire and esteem and lift up and exalt and turn to God is is now the biggest criminal in our country. The Lord and the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word and a Christian and a pastor and someone who stands for the Lord and someone who stands against sin and proclaims the name of Jesus. We're 180 degrees. That person's going to be thrown in jail. You understand what I'm saying? We've turned, but the Lord's not worried that someone's going to topple His kingdom. The Bible says we're built upon this foundation. Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone. You know what that word means? You've heard it before. And it's other places in the Scriptures. It means the extreme end. The base. The tip. So not only is Jesus Christ the rock and the foundation upon which His church is built, He's also both ends of it. The tip. He's the capstone. If you put a a foundation, that's Jesus. If you put a final stone in place, it's Jesus. From He's Alpha and Omega. He's the whole thing. He, he is the chief cornerstone and the capstone. He's the head of His church. It's founded upon Him. It's founded upon the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and His Gospel. It's founded upon, upon His resurrection. It's founded upon His name that's above every name. It's founded upon His redemptive power. It's founded upon Him and it's all unto Him. It's unto Him and it's complete in Him. Amen? It's complete in Him. He's at the both ends of it. He's the foundation. He's the top of it. We're not going to find anything else or anything other. It's the Lord in all, all in all, and in all. And certainly in His church. And so, um, there's, a, there's a fable. It's like a Jewish fable or a a story, a legend that's told that when in the building of Solomon's temple, it was 20 years in the building. Okay, we read about that in the Bible. David had the plans. The Lord put it on David's heart. He had in his heart to build a house for God. And the Lord gave him the plans and the blueprint and the materials were all gathered in his day. But Solomon's the one. It was built in his day, right? It took 20 years in the building. And there's a Jewish legend that they would, they're up at the work site up at the top of this hill where the temple was built. 
and down lower in the valley or at the bottom of the hill is where they were cutting the stones. And they would send up the stones. You know, I don't know how they got them up there. They would get the stones up to the work site. They're huge. And, and they were bringing the stones up. And that very early on in the process of building the temple, uh, the, the architects are up there, and here comes the workers send up a stone. They look at that and they measure it. They said, this thing doesn't fit anywhere. Those, those buffoons down there made a mistake. They, they, I don't know where they got this. This, this stone, they, they placed it didn't fit anywhere in what they were building. And they went on the other side and they shoved it off the, uh, the other side of the, the building site. They rolled down the hill and they forgot about it. Well, 20 years later, they get to the completion of the building and they're going to put the capstone on, which is the final stone. And they say, hey guys, it's time to send up the, the capstone, that chief stone, okay? We're ready for it. And the builders, the, the workers at the bottom say, we sent that up a long time ago. And they realized it was that one they had shoved off. They went and got it and put it and fit in perfectly where it was supposed to fit. And I was just thinking about Jesus. He, he brings it all together. The foundation is Christ. The capstone is Christ. It's the life of Christ in all of His church. The whole thing is when, if you, if you're to step back and, and instead of looking at individual people here, and even looking at Cornerstone Church, and step, step back and step back and see the church on the planet, it ought to be representing Jesus Christ, real perfect representation of the Lord, the way He loves, the way He cares, the way He judges. The way he, you know, the joy of the Lord, the fruit of the Spirit, all of it, the, the, the feet that bring the good news and bring the gospel, it ought to be a picture of the Lord. If we step back, step back, and it's going to, that's a healthy church. And it's going to start with healthy believers individually and healthy local church like this one. It has nothing to do with the size of the church. We ought to, right, are to rightly represent the Lord. And he is that foundation, that foundation. He's before all things. And, and he needs to be the heart of his church. He upholds everything by the word of his power. He upholds his church by the word of his power. And if you're looking at Ephesians, okay, the scripture we read, it says, we're built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth up groweth unto the holy temple and holy temple in the Lord. And uh, it's a progressive thing. It's an ongoing thing. Jesus is already complete, okay? But His church is being perfected. His church is being made more like Jesus. You and I are becoming more like Jesus. And so He's working in our lives to bring that about. And it's growing. It's ongoing. It's a progression it's a progression. We, you know, a painter doesn't just slap the paint, it's done. It's ongoing work. He's complete, but I know that I'm far from everything that I need to be in Jesus. But it's good that we know that, right? Because when we look in the Word of God, that's that mirror, and it shows me, you know what, you've been walking with me a long time, Randy, but you just read this in the Bible, and you're really deficient right here. And it ought to cause me to call upon Jesus. And first of all, say, you're right. I'm not like Jesus in that area. I thank you for showing me that. And would you please make me that? 
and let God work in our lives. He will do this. Still, it's all Jesus. He's the one that shows me, convicts me. I repent to Him. I call upon Him for the help to be like Him. And He does that. So we're being built up. It says, um, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also, see it's private, it's personal as well, not just corporate, in whom you also, he's speaking to individual believers, are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. We're actually individually and as a church, a dwelling place for the Lord. That's what his word says, a habitation for the Lord. Just listen to this scripture um, from 1 Peter. Well, I'll tell you what, y'all can turn there. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. You also, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the Scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion, that's Zion with an S, that's heavenly Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, that's speaking about our Lord. And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed. It's like our illustration we gave, right? The stone which the builders rejected, the same as made the head of the corner. It's all Him. It's a living building. This is just an analogy. It's like saying Jesus is the door. I'm the door. We know He's not literally a door with a knob and hinges. He's the way. The entrance way. And so when we talk about Christ being a body, He's not physically a body with fingernails, okay, and His church body and toes and but, but it's the best description in the way he chooses to describe it. He is the head. The head is the one with the authority. The head is the one that the body obeys and listens to and gets its strength from and life from and direction from. And he says, we as individuals are like living stones. We're not just like bricks in this floor. We're living stones, though. A living stone that's built up a spiritual house. When the stones are put together, one another upon another and the Lord is the master builder and he knows how to build it and he's putting his church together and when he's finished it's going to look like Christ it's going to be like what he wants it to be not deformed not partly of Christ and partly of man it's going to be like Jesus okay and and where he's all in all John the Baptist said I must decrease and he must increase and we have to individually decrease and let the Lord decrease in our lives. And so, turn to 1 Corinthians 3. A couple more scriptures that we're going to look at this morning. This is one of the keys. This this is one of the keys in the foundation book as well. Let's read 8 through 11. Now, he that planteth and he that watereth are one. He's talking about ministers of the gospel. Okay? He that plants and he that waters are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. We're making a case here. It's very easy to make this case from the Scriptures about 
the Christ being the foundation, but He's not only the foundation, He's not only the capstone, He's the architect who's building it and putting it all together. And He has allowed us to be part of that service with the Lord in building His church. He's allowed, He's enlisted us. When you got saved, you were called into the ministry. Okay? You say, well, I don't feel like I'm called in the ministry. It doesn't mean you're in full-time ministry as far as your calling and occupation. But every one of us is called. And we are laborers together with God. You're God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given to unto me, Paul speaking of himself, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he builds thereon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so the Lord is, is all in all. I can't stress it anymore. He's the foundation. He's the foundation we laid in our individual lives when we gave our life to Christ. And it has to be built upon Him. If we build our lives on anything else, it's sinking sand. If we build our church on anything else, it's sinking sand. If we build our church on what's popular or a new movement that's going on in the church, and we've seen them come and go. We've seen laughter movements. And we've seen uh, the gold dust. And we've seen the Bethel music stuff. And that's a big one. And it's going on. It may be something that ushers right into the end times one world church. I could see that happening. But we can't build upon those things. Even if what we're building upon becomes less and less popular. It's eternal. It's Jesus Christ. Other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And, and He is the chief cornerstone. Everything else is going to be overcome. It's not going to stand. False Christianity is not going to stand. A one world religion is not going to stand. It's not. I don't care how much it's in your face and how popular it gets. And people point, paint it with a warm, fuzzy picture and make it look like it's Christ. And it looks comfortable and warm and kind and loving. And we're feeding the poor and we're helping people uh, learn how to read. And all this type of stuff that's going on. If Christ is not the center of that thing, it's false. It's built upon man or some spirit other than the Holy Spirit. And it's going to crumble and fall. And it's going to probably crumble and fall a lot sooner than we think. Because we're getting a lot closer to the return of the Lord. So, He's not only the foundation upon which we're built, okay? He is the architect. He says, Peter, well done what you've said. And upon this profession, I will build my church. So He's building it. We ought want Him to. We need to pray and see how you're wanting to build it. What are you wanting to do in my life? What are you wanting to do in this church? You're wanting to take me. It's a progression. It's a movement. So we can't just get too comfortable. Where do you want to, you want to take me from where I am to where you want me to be individually and as a church? And in order to do that, there's going to be some things. You picture him like a, a whittling on a piece of wood. There's going to be pieces that come flying off of there. Parts of our lives that he's going to whittle away and get down to what he wants it to be. And so we have to let him do that. He's the potter, we're the clay. There's pieces of that that are going to fall by the wayside in ways he's going to shape and form it to be what he wants it to be. And so he's making it. The Lord's building his church. And the Bible says, the psalmist says, it's the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. 
It ought to be marvelous in our eyes. But if I got my head in the sand, if I got my head so occupied with the world and the things of the world, I'm not going to see it. I'm not going to really see what the Lord's doing. If I'm prayerless or my prayer time is hit or miss, then I'm not going to really see what God is doing. I'm not going to hear His voice. We need to be spiritual. We, if we want a healthy church, and we ought to for, for God's sake, okay? And for our own sake, it's going to be a church that has the foundation of Christ, and it's going to start with your life being founded upon Christ day by day and going on with the Lord, okay? Going on with the Lord. I just want to read, read this scripture. Uh, Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And we read it, we're laborers together with God. We're His husbandry. We've laid the foundation and God's building upon it. Amen. Um, the Lord saved that 120 in the upper room and then He called them into the ministry. He called them to start building His church. That's really what was going on. With the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you shall be witnesses unto me. And the first effect of that was a crowd of people being gathered after the day when they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and 3,000 souls being saved. The Lord knows how to build this church. Amen? Weak people, fishermen, they perceived they were ignorant, unlearned men. And yet God chose them, saved them, filled them with the Holy Ghost, and chose them to help build His church. And then 5,000 saved when they healed the lame man. And we're called to that, okay? He's the foundation and He's the builder. <clears throat> we're not built upon anything else. It has to be Christ, His gospel, His word, His resurrection, His power. And His church is to be filled with Him, y'all. His church is to be filled with Him. The presence of the Lord, the character of the Lord, Christ actually being here. If we're singing songs to Jesus, let's sing them to Jesus. Let's worship the Lord. If we're having a prayer time, don't pray so that people hear you. Pray an appropriate prayer. Pray to the Lord, to where God hears. You see what I'm saying? I'm speaking to myself as well. The kingdom of, of, uh, of the Lord is to be, our, our church, I'm sorry, is to be glorious, is to be holy. It's to be loving like the Lord loves. It's to be light in the midst of darkness. It's to be orderly. A church ought to be orderly, but at the same time have the life of the Spirit, which may take us out of our comfort zone, but it's still in order because it's what the Holy Spirit wanted, as the case may be. It ought to be representative of Him. It ought to be joyful. Our church ought to be joyful, and we ought to be joyful people. If the kingdom of, of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And, and I'm just about to close with a couple more illustrations, but I want to give this from Isaiah 28. I'll just read it, verse 16. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone. That's where that scripture in 1 Peter came from. A precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. A sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste or be ashamed, is really what it means, or confounded. If you have put your faith and confidence in Jesus Christ, you're never going to be ashamed of that. Somebody might put their hope in communism and communism fails. They put their hope in ISIS and some Muslim takeover of the world and it may gain ground for a while, but it's going to fail. And they're going to realize they were wrong. And I put my hope in that and I strapped a bomb to my back and blew myself up for that. And they're going to be ashamed. Okay? 
they're going to be ashamed because their kingdom didn't stand. And it was built upon some sinking sand. As strong and powerful as it looked at the time, it was sinking sand. This word right here is where we stand. And we stand in Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about in the weeks to come, a healthy church is going to be biblical. That's one of the things we're talking about. A healthy church is going to... uh, just different characteristics. The healthy church is going to be separated unto God. We're going to look at some different characteristics of a healthy, strong church. <clears throat> I want to close with this, this illustration. The gates of the fortress of Parander, India. Alright, so the gate of the fortress of Parander, India. Built in 1291. It's an actual building built by the Raja of Badar. The builders told the Raja, they said, Sir, this thing's not going to stand. You're wanting to build it here. This is a marsh. This is a swamp you're building on. We can't build this heavy gate in this fortress right here. He insisted on having it right there. This is a a story that one of his, that is an actual place, but the story goes that one of the workers wanting to please the Raja, he slept and he had a dream, and in his dream, uh, he got the answer to how to make it work. And it was to build the two bases, the, 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 the pillars for the gate that was going to be so heavy, to, to lay it in pure gold. Pure gold. He went and told the Raja, he said, let's do it. And so this actually did happen. Two excavations, 12 feet deep, each one 35 foot square, 12 feet deep. They emptied the king's treasury and dumped gold bricks into this thing and filled it. They were bankrupt, okay? All the gold was dumped in. 50,000 gold bricks, 14 karat gold. And the gate itself was made out of 14 karat gold. And it's, it actually is still there. You say, well, wow, that doesn't fit with your sermon. It's going to pass away. It's going to pass away. Because the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. It's going to be destroyed. They're patting themselves on the back. It's built on pure gold. And yet, it's going to pass away. It's not going to stand. The Bible says that the men and women of faith in Hebrews, uh, that they, Abraham looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. <clears throat> That's the one that's going to stand. I want a city... And I want a home, and I want a life, and a heaven, and a kingdom, and a foundation <clears throat> whose builder and maker is God. Because everything else is going to pass away. The elements of this earth, like we've talked about, are going to be so heated up and refined. The Lord promised He'd never judge the world again by a flood, right? Put the rainbow in the sky in Noah's day. And He's not. He's going to refine this earth by a fire that's being reserved unto the day of judgment, says in Second Peter when it's going to be melted with a fervent heat. And it says a great noise. And when it cools off, it's going to, even creation itself is going to be clean and purged from sin. And it won't be tainted by that. And it's going to be wonderful. And those, this gate of the fortress of Parander, India, if not before then, it won't be around anymore. It won't be there any longer. I'm closing with this scripture. If you'll turn to Acts chapter 5. And whoever be, if you can, you can come.
This is the early church when it looked so frail and looked so weak to the world. To the world's eyes, it, it looks, just looked like a bunch of, not even a big bunch, 120 people that the world took no notice of. But later, they're being accused of turning the world upside down. And let's, because the Lord is the strength. Let's look at Acts chapter 5, verse 34. This is Peter and John filled with the Holy Ghost being brought before the council and the Sadducees because of their, their ministering for the Lord and being threatened. This is the second time they've been commanded not to preach in His name anymore. Then stood there up one in the, in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all the people and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space and said unto them, you men of Israel. So he says, let, let those guys go, Peter and John. Let them go for a little while. And he turns to the, the Pharisees, the others in the religious council, and said, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Theotis, boasting himself to be somebody to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves who was slain, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. After this man arose Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing, and drew away much people after him. He also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. So what is he saying? He's saying there was two... He, this is current news. We're getting a little glimpse of like the day of Peter and John lived in. Like current facts. These were two real people that sought to get a following after them. And it came to nothing. Both of them came to nothing. The leaders were killed. Their followers were dispersed and came to nothing. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men, from Peter and John, and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of man, it will come to naught. So even this, though this man, Gamaliel, did not know the Lord, He's speaking the truth right here, just in a, in, a, in a sense. If this work be of men, it will come to nothing. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest happily you be found even to fight against God. The Lord said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And it is still going today, and where every place it's tried to be stamped out, God uses that to bring life to it and actually to grow it. The more it's stomped on by the devil, the more the little sparks fly and it starts new fires. There's more revival in persecuted countries than there are in this country, I promise you, where it's tried to be stamped out. It says in, in Paul's day, in Saul of Tarsus, when he persecuted the church, that they, they went everywhere. The Christians went everywhere. They left their hometown of Jerusalem and they went everywhere preaching the gospel. So you got churches popping up and people being saved all over. God's kingdom is going to prevail. <clears throat> it's going to stand. We're on the winning side and we're part of that. And I just want us to worship the Lord this morning. You can stand and know that God wants us to have a healthy church and a strong church. And it has to be Christ. It has to be Christ all in all. Not in some of it. Not working in Him where we want to and then some other popular stuff. It has to be Jesus Christ. And we need to endeavor, you and I need to hold each other accountable to that and keep our eyes on the Lord and hear from God and speak for God 
and keep ourselves with Christ as the foundation. And I've given that story before where R.A. Torrey was preaching in a big, big, big meeting, thousands of people. He saw one of his friends that he hadn't seen in a long time, a Christian man sitting on the front. He looked just miserable the whole time. Just totally distressed. And as soon as it was over, he went and talked, sat down and talked to the man. And says, what's wrong? Have you taken your eyes off the Savior? And he had. And he'd gotten all into the world. And he led his children off into the world. Now he couldn't get them back to serve God. And he was miserable. And they prayed and everything. But he knew exactly what it was. You've gotten your eyes off the Savior. And if we'll just keep our eyes there, let Him... He is the foundation. He is the capstone. He is the builder as well. Let Him be that demand that He be that. Keep Him there in your life. And so, Father, we just come before You in Jesus' name. And these altars are open. And Lord, we just are so thankful, God. I just feel like I barely touched the tip of what it means to be part of Your church and having a healthy church and a strong church. You want to have a glorious church that You may present it unto Yourself without spot or wrinkle, holy and without blemish unto Yourself. And You're worthy of that, Lord. You laid down Your life and died. The King of kings and the Creator of all things became flesh and died to purchase unto Yourself a holy people, a peculiar people, zealous of good works. That we would rightly represent You. That we would know You. That we would walk with You. We're not to represent ourselves or even represent Cornerstone Church we're to represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And God, forgive us, because I know, speaking of myself, I have not always done that, and I haven't done it rightly. I haven't been a good represent, representative of You in many times, Lord. And just ask the Lord to search your heart and ask Him to forgive you. And let's let Jesus Christ be the foundation and the everything for this church the all in all for this church and for your family. When you go home and when you have a family prayer time, when you have your private prayer time and devotional time with the Lord, let Christ be the center of everything. When you get up and go to work, when you get up and go to school, to let Him be everything. He's building His church. He knows how to build it. And would you just get, get with the Lord and take some time and worship Him this, this morning. Thank you, Jesus.